What's up and welcome to another episode of the Grindline Podcast. You are listening to episode 62 and I am once again joined by Ryan and Tyler. Tyler, how are you doing tonight? Ryan's on mute because his wife is making him a really loud drink. I'm going to let Tyler respond first. <laughs> I'm doing good. I can't complain. There was a lot of movement yesterday, which was which was really good. You know, I mean, we're going to get to that point where there's not a whole lot to talk about and you're going to get pretty sick of us going through scenarios of the lineup and everything else um but for now we're good it was nuts yesterday was crazy uh the opening of free agency we knew a lot of moves that were going to happen before they happened because of you know twitter but i i don't hate it because it saves me it lets me actually do work at work instead of just following exactly what's going on ryan is your wife done now can you say words (laughs) (laughs) she's she's smashing down the fruit right now we're good she's uh i think she's trying to take advantage of me tonight she has a personal bartender over at his house she was a bartender for 10 years and it comes in handy on random nights like tonight where she's willing to make me an old-fashioned the first one i didn't realize that she made it with gentleman jack which it went down way too smooth this one she's got some elijah craig that she's about to pour in there so it's gonna be a great night it'll be a little i gotta work tomorrow uh, so um, I think we're gonna talk. Uh, we'll start with the uh, with free agency. So Steve Eiserman was was pretty busy, I would say, and earlier on than what we're used to. I think the last few years we're used to free agency, uh, Holland making moves at like the last minute or within an hour before like the the show goes off the air. Eiserman was was pretty quick this year. I guess we all knew Calvin Pickard was coming. We picked uh, Patrick Nemeth who a lot of people, their reaction was like, who the hell is Patrick Nemeth? And then the other person we picked up is an old Detroit favorite, Valtteri Filbula. And I mean, it was my, my response was pretty much a, an okay free agency. It wasn't flashy. I didn't think it was going to be. We got people to fill roles for a couple years until uh, prospects develop. And it, I think it was probably the best that Iserman could do. Uh, with with the restraints that he set for himself, which were uh, no longer, I think, than two years and not a lot of money. He made the comment, I think it was Eisenman that made the comment, he didn't want anything long-term. Yeah. And all three deals were two-year deals. All three, like kind of like you said, they're like, mm, meh. They're, they're nothing like, oh, shit, that, that just happened type deals. But I think we've... Uh, talked about it over and over again on pretty much the last year of our podcast that that's there two to three years from any type of relevancy and for how much those guys are getting paid that there's the cap space so that's not an issue if they have to take another contract on they very well could so it's very tactical if you will plus they still have another what how much coming off for Z and Franz in here soon? So, I mean, they've got right now, based off the 81.5 cap per cap friendly, they have 5.2 mil available with projected cap space. That does not include the 10 million still that could come off with Z, that will come off with Z and Franz in when the season hits. So, there's a lot that they can still do. These yeah. signings are fine. It's to me, it's it's whatever. They can also spend, uh, as you know, up to 10% over the cap 
until, that what it is? I was going to ask about that. Yeah, 10% over the cap until the beginning of the season, uh, which is when LTIR comes into effect. Yeah. So uh, right now, the the LTIR contracts do count against the cap, mm-hmm. but the Red Wings still have $5 million left over, and you can go 10% over, so that's another, what, $8 million? Yeah. Uh, 8.1 million. So they roughly right now have 13 million in free space to do whatever they want. They could take on a bad contract. I know Iserman said he's uh, open to sign another right wing. He's also open to signing another uh, defenseman. Mm-hmm. And he also said that these signings that happened will in no way affect rookies coming into the team. It's all about earning your spot. That so, was a beautiful I like quote that. i think actually i put, I put it out there earlier from max's article today about projecting the red wings 1920 lineup uh max boltman again we're gonna plug the athletic because they're fantastic but uh the quote from stevie was i think whether we sign another forward another defenseman it does not box out any of our young players what it does it gives us a little protection if they're not ready to go in the fall yeah which is what i would expect from eiser and he's he's fully in rebuild mode right now Mm-hmm. If he doesn't like uh, how Valeno is progressing and doesn't think he's ready, then he's not going to make the team. If if Rasmussen doesn't have a solid summer and doesn't come out, like, bust out of the gates this fall, uh, he's probably not going to make the team. If he doesn't think Zadina is, is ready to go, he's not going to make the team. Though I think Zadina is the special case where it's, it's his spot to lose, especially with the comments that he made. But uh, Tyler, how do you feel overall about the the free agency that the Red Wings had? I think it was it was actually surprising to me. I I really didn't think they were going to do much at all, to be honest with you. I thought that Calvin Pickard, obviously, because we knew that coming in. Um, I'm really happy to see Phil Pula is back. I mean, I know like, and here's here's the other thing. I will go into something after this, um, but. I'm happy Philpool is back. I'm happy they got Patrick Nimeth. It kind of gives them a little bit of uh, defensive depth, and they can, as you guys said, they can add another defenseman if they really so choose. The, here's the thing that really aggravates me about people on Twitter or Red Wings fans in general. It's like if apparently, like people are saying, they shouldn't have signed Philpool. Why would they ever sign a 35 year old Valtteri Philpool and not blah 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 blah? And People don't want to hear the reasoning why they signed him. They just want to say, oh, no, the Red Wings are doing the same Red Wings things, even though Eisenman's there, and, like, just basically blaming Eisenman for nothing. And the fact of the matter is, yes, Valtteri Filippo is, is, um, you know, 35 years old or whatever. And, yes, he's not the same player that he was, you know, when he won the Stanley Cup in 2008 with the Red Wings or went back in 2009. But – he's still a serviceable player. He played really well at the Islanders last year. Wasn't as good with the Flyers uh, before he was with the Islanders. And he's, he's a serviceable player. And you know what, if the players aren't ready to play like Valeno, he's not ready or Rasmussen, you know, he's not going to, if he doesn't have a good camp, he's not going to play. I mean, Eisenman has made it clear. I'm going to go with players that I think are, are, you know, going to earn the spot on the team and if they don't then there's going to be veterans behind them that are going to take their spots and that's going to push those players as far as they can go to you know eventually make the team free agency as a whole i still do think that i would keep an eye out for the red wings maybe linked to jake gardner or maybe even ryan dezingle i think that if they're going to go with this um give some veterans uh 
to, to be a part of this. I think that they should add one more player if they're going to go with this with this attitude that it's going to be a dogfight in training camp. Yeah, on on the whole Philpola thing, Eiserman gave them the answer as to why they signed Philpola. There was a clear answer. What Steve Eiserman said is, we signed Philpola for center depth so we can move Athanasiu back to the wing, which is his natural position. And people yes, tried that's to. The other thing. That's the people other. People tried to argue so hard. Athanasiu still developing at center. Athanasiu, uh, just give him a chance. He did good. And and a lot of us, and I would say a lot of us, but people we follow will say Athanasiu, and, and I think Prashanth even had an article about it uh, where he did a, a write-up that said Athanasiu is better on the wing than at center so that on the wing his speed can help burn defensemen and he's not defensively sound enough to play a center position, especially a second line center, because that's still an important position. So I, and, and Iserman made it clear, this move is to provide center depth to move Athanasiu back to wing. And that's what he wants. And that's what he'll get because Athanasiu clearly is better at the wing. And Philpola is also a setup guy. I mean, everyone, I think Philpola, what we used to do most often was just yell at the TV for him to shoot. He doesn't shoot the puck. He passes the puck. And he's got someone now where if, if Zadina makes the team and you put Zadina and Athanasiu with Philpola as a center, Ooh, like he's that. a setup guy. I like that. Yeah, line. he's a setup guy. So, I, I mean, you could, in the, I guess Zadina, not Zadina, I guess Philpola and Nielsen are probably interchangeable. You could swap them back and forth. But I don't, I don't hate them. Like I said, the moves were okay. I don't hate the move. He's 35, sure, but he's going to set people up, and he still gets over 30 points a season. Yeah, and he's a smart player, too. He's going to – he's the type of player that, like, a player can not emulate, but you can kind of see he's a consummate pro. He's, he's a good player. He's good defensively as well, which is another thing that, that some of these young players on the wings, even guys coming up, can kind of learn from. Philpola hasn't scored less than 30 points in a season since the lockout-shortened season, if that tells you anything. Yeah, Ryan, what, what did he do the last couple seasons? So last few years have been nothing special. Uh, this past year with the Isles is probably his – It's actually, it is his worst one point-wise since 15-16, but it's his best goal production since 2013-14, which was his first year with Tampa. Um, last year he had 31 points. A uh, year prior to that he was at 33 and then before that, he had 42, 31, 48, 58. So the trend is there. He He's still producing. Is he going to score goals? He can. Is he going to put help guys put pucks in the net? I think that's going to be your more likely scenario. But it, I don't know. If you want to get more technical and look at the fancy stats, his course D4 has been nothing special. He hasn't been over 50 since 15-16. So last year was actually his worst with New York at a 43. But, I mean, I don't know. I don't I don't think it's going to hurt anything. I've seen a lot of compare, or a lot of writers, if you will, saying that it, him and Nielsen are kind of interchangeable. So we'll see how that plays out. I think that he'll be a better option than Nielsen, though Nielsen probably provides still a little bit more defense. I would like to see Philp, though, helping push offense on the second line, if that was my choice. Greg, question for you. Go on. Um, <laughs> so, so 
we have Coppola who could theoretically be a fill-in second-line center. Does that make Nielsen attractive to another team if we were to eat half of the salary? How long uh, are you eating that salary, though? Yeah, I'm not eating half the salary. I'm not eating you half eat the salary. You eat a percentage of it, though. You're eating half a salary for three seasons. I'll eat a quarter. I'll eat a quarter of a Give salary. Me. It's only and- two point five, right? Isn't that what it would be? For half? Five point yeah. no. two seven five. Two seven yeah. five. That's- so I'm not eating half his salary. If I'm trading him, it'll be at the deadline to a contender who just needs that extra little help on maybe a third line center, uh responsible defensively responsible third line center. Mm-hmm. But I mean I might eat a quarter of his salary. I'd go with one, I mean, I guess one, it- one five. I guess it depends on how much money we go into into the season actually with. If we don't make any other moves and we're into the season with with LTIR and we're still at like uh, like twelve million, maybe I eat half his salary. But it's still, again, it's three years. It's three more years. So maybe I eat a quarter and and shift him off somewhere to to a playoff contender. But I don't think I don't think signing Philpola laid out anything for trading anyone. Now, the next person we're going to talk about is Patrick Nemeth. I think the signing of Patrick Nemeth may uh, may signify that Cronwall is done. I know that Stevie said he he knew more about Cronwall's future, but didn't want to tell the media anything. But I think signing Nemeth and saying he still wants to sign another defenseman, possibly, Mm -hmm. I think that that might signify that Cronwall's finished. And maybe we're reading too far into it, but but that's my thought. So Patrick Nemeth, he's a Swede. I mean, we're just stocking up on Swedes. We're the Swedish mafia again. That shirt will be coming shortly. Yes. He is uh proud of you. Nemeth is 27 <laughs> years old. He's six foot three, two nineteen. He is a he was a he's a plus player, a plus defenseman, so that's always good to see, even though we really don't take plus minus into account very much. In 74 games, he averaged 16 minutes and 30 seconds on ice. He had one goal and nine assists for 10 points. So he's not an offensive defenseman, but he's more of a stay-at-home defensive defenseman in that he also blocked 131 shots, had four takeaways and only 19 giveaways in 74 games. So he's defensively responsible. He's a possession guy. Uh, the most ice time I think that he's averaged is almost 20 minutes in 2017, 18. And I mean, he's going to eat minutes. He'll play with an, uh, he'll play with Heronic or green. You're going to put Nemeth with your offensive guys because he drives the defense. Mm-hmm. I think this quote from Dana, uh, Wikiji, the wings beat writer, this quote from Eiserman's pretty, it's kind of speaks to what you just said. It says Nemeth is a big, strong, solid defenseman. Whether playing with Green or Heronic, good for that type of player. Yeah, I mean, he's going to back up the guys that want to jump into play. So if Green wants to jump up into play to try and score, or if Heronic wants to jump up into play to try and score, Nemeth is going to have the... You've got that coverage. Yeah, Nemeth's going to gonna have the coverage. I mean, again, solid signing. He's a guy that can help uh, young guys develop. He can just fill a spot if we need to fill a spot. He'll eat mm-hmm. minutes. He doesn't give the puck away. He, I mean, he's not going to drive your offense, but that's not what they got him to do. And that's kind of what Iserman started with in Tampa is he plugged in these role players to boost the other people up. So you, you've got these offensive defensemen and don't have any defensive defensemen pick up a guy like Nemeth to let the offensive defensemen do their job. 
Yeah, Greg, to your knowledge here, do you remember the guy he picked up to be a lot more responsibly defensive or defensively response? Uh, my answer is no. <laughs> yeah, one, one two i don't know what you're talking about and two to probably don't what, know the answer what player did he pick up to start solidifying that core as better defensively in tampa yeah. was it headman no no it wasn't headman i don't know are we talking what, what year are we talking strawman oh strawman who just moved from the Rangers. he just yeah, went to florida florida yeah yeah that's who yeah so Iserman, you can kind of see Iserman will probably do a lot of the same moves that he initially made in Tampa with Detroit because they worked. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I, to kind of go back to Phil Pula too, I'm looking at Dana's Twitter right now because uh, I was looking for the quote in regards to Phil Pula and Anthony Sioux. So what Iserman was quoted at roughly was that we had a hole in the middle. We felt Larkin, Nielsen, Glendening, De La Rose can play there. Helm can play there, even Advocator. But this allows the coach to put Anthony CU back on the wing. Oh, so, God. and then yeah. Iserman says it lo- allows Anthony CU to go back to wing and called it his quote natural position. Yeah, were you listening so, when I said all that like five minutes no, ago? Yeah, no, but I was just going back and requoting all of her stuff here because, like, that's it's just kind of put into bed a lot of the things that we've been talking about. I mean, Greg's I think has been the the loudest one in regards to Anthony CU being on the wing, but. We all talked about it. We all thought so, thought the same thing. I mean, did he have some flashes of, okay, I'm going to be okay here? Yeah, but at the same time, when you can just let him go crazy on the wing and not have to worry about that middle responsibility, it works. Iserman sees that. Not once did we have a quote like that that I can think of or even know where to look. Did we get something like that from Ken Holland? Would you agree? Nope. No. no, Ken Holland gave Ken Holland was the master of the non-answer. He would not answer questions. He would not say really what his plans are, and he would backtrack quite a bit. I think Eiserman yep. is trying to be direct as direct as possible. And if he doesn't want to tell you, he'll straight up say, "I'm not going to tell you." So mm-hmm. it's it's kind of refreshing to for to have a general manager who is now laying out what their plan is. Yep. And you know what's nice about that too is that he didn't say shit leading into into uh, free agency or no. the buyout period, really. But as soon as he made all of these moves, you notice how much more like open and direct he is about why he's making these things happen. Yeah, and and that's what every general manager should do, and that's what you see nearly every general manager around the league doing. Minus uh, Ken Holland, even Pierre Dorian, whose points were kind of shit. Uh, who who now runs, I guess, uh, Toronto 2.0. So <laughs> they, literally the Senators are just going with what Toronto had because I guess if you take all the, te- all the people from a team that made the playoffs, even if you don't get the good people, you still might make the playoffs. So I, I don't understand how that worked out. But uh, the other kind of theme that was noticeable – around our free agency was that everyone he signed, he signed to two year deals. Yes. And the reason for that, which and, I just said that Greg, what we can only assume <laughs> is that Iserman does not believe the Red Wings will be back in the playoffs for two more years. Because in two years, you will have given your, your uh, prospects some time to develop. You'll have given prospects that are making the roster this year, uh, some mentorship and some time to develop chemistry with the wings 
and then in two years you you lose Erickson's gone. I mean, Nemeth will be gone, Philpola will be gone, Howard's gone next season. I mean Bernie, Bernie runs gone. out and th- Bernie's out in three. Twenty one twenty yeah. I got Cap Friendly up more, right now. At the end of two more years, Bernie's gone. Mm-hmm. Cronwall will definitely be gone. Helm will be gone. Abdicator Sorry, Rohan. Abdicator will be on his last year, right? Kaiser's uh, up. No, Abdicator will be in his final two, two seasons by that point. Okay, then Nielsen's Nielsen will be in his last year. Yes. Yep. So <laughs> I don't see, and they could trade Nielsen with one year left or buy him out. So mm-hmm. Iserman's rebuild starts really, I mean, he's gathering prospects, but the real shot starts in two years. And that's what you see. That's why he's not signing any contracts longer than two years. Yep. So Calvin Pickard is a goalie we picked up. The initial report was that he would challenge Bernier for a backup spot. Unless they had a trade location for Bernier, I wasn't sure how that was possible because unless you're going to wave Bernie, hope no one picks him up and send him to Grand Rapids. But Calvin Pickard will most likely play in Grand Rapids next season, backing up Larson. Uh, Patrick uh, Rybar did not sign his qualifying offer. So right. he, he's going he overseas, actually, correct? Yeah, yeah. He just signed overseas with another team. So Calvin Pickard has split time between the Flyers and the Coyotes and the Roadrunners last season. He played a total of uh, 20 games, not 21 games. His best stats were probably with the Flyer. No, they weren't. God, no. They were with the Coyotes. No, his best stats were in the AHL. But in six games with the Coyotes, he had uh, 17 goals allowed with 3.61 goals against and an 89% save percentage. He was not good in Philly. So, mm-hmm. so Calvin Pickard will probably back up Larson in the AHL because I'm assuming Larson's going to get that starting position. Yeah, it, I, I'm, I'm, and that's who I'm very excited to see. And with a guy like Picard coming in, he, who has a good AHL track record, I think that's extremely beneficial to the restricted guys that are going to be coming in fresh to Grand Rapids. And I mean, it's they can battle. I guess he can battle it out with Bernie for backup. But if we end up waving Bernie, I think we're kind of screwed because someone mm-hmm. will pick him up for a backup. I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think the only way Bernie comes out of the lineup is if he gets hurt or. We see the only let me rephrase that the, the way we see Picard in Detroit, Pickard. Pickard. This isn't Star Trek. <laughs> the way we see Pickard up in Detroit is if one of Bernier or Howard gets hurt, or Bernier just puts out that much of a shit show in training camp and going into the season. Or so it's 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 a wash to me if he has to come up. I think that's where we're in trouble. Is is his contract one way? I'm assuming. Uh, I don't know. I don't think, didn't look at. I think it's a two-way deal. I think the bottom line is that Pickard is is there to back up Larson. Bernie, I mean, I, I think there was some, some chatter about the Avalanche possibly having interest in him because Varlamov is gone now. So I I don't I don't know, but I don't see anyone wanting Jonathan Bernier. Mm-mm. If yeah, they do, yeah. I mean, hey, we should, they should totally uh, should be like, probably oh, look into that. Would you guys like to talk some more? Yeah, nice, but I, nice, nice bottle of Scott Detroit, Detroit City whiskey. Here you go. Yeah, Check I guess the you. best, 
the the last best season that Calvin Pickard had was 2016-17 with the Abs where he played 50 games, had a Did two point really? yeah, had a 2.9 goals against and a 90% save percentage. Wasn't so, that like the worst team in the last 10 years or something like that though? It was bad, but I thought. but it it was uh I mean he he was a real good goal. He's only 27. He was a real good goalie, but his numbers are very reminiscent of probably what Mrazek's numbers are going to look like in the next three years. So <laughs> uh, I think it's the same trajectory that, that Mrazek is going to follow as the Calvin Pickard trajectory. You never yeah. know Calvin Pickard could be our Jordan Bennington. Bennington never had an NHL start until St. Louis. Yeah. Is that Pickard, true? Uh, yeah. St. Louis's first NHL start. I mean, it's Pickards is there to, to to mentor and to back up in case of injury. And that's that's what I appreciated about it because I'm looking at just some of the quotes from Stevie in regards to him, and really, I think that's kind of what you can think of for all three of these signings because they've all been around for a bit. Especially Philpola for a guy like Anthony Cu or Rasmussen. If we're trying to talk the center route, Nemeth, he's not as old, but he gives that buffer for when we lose the the garbage next season after this season. So, but I think the most important one is going to be Pickard and what he can do with those guys in Grand Rapids, especially Larson. And you can tell that Larson is fired up and ready to go based off everything from the from training or the development camp. So, that's exciting to watch to me, to be quite honest. How did he yeah. look at the development camp? I think that's what we're going to talk about next. So me and Ryan went to the scr- – well, I went to all of the scrimmage. I was there for Ryan- two-thirds of it. Ryan uh, woke <laughs> up late and didn't make it until the second period. But the scrimmage was was awesome. good. I mean, real good. I got to see Mastro Simone break his ankle in real time. I missed um, that. Yeah, first first period, uh, Master Simone took a puck to the ankle, and he was in excruciating pain coming back to the bench. Oh, he skated off? The, yeah, he skated off. Oh. And then the report came out that his ankle is broken. Uh, the other casualty from the uh, scrimmage was Jack Adams has oh. torn his ACL and MCL. That sucks. So, yeah, and that's an entire lost season. There's He's not going to play next season. It- but... It sucks because in the three on three and the rest of dev camp, Jack Adams looked awesome. He was probably one of the best prospects hands down the whole, yeah. pro- the whole week. Yeah. And he, I mean, he's a scoring machine. That's all he does is score. And to, to lose an entire year. I mean, ask Svechnikov what that does for you. He's mm-hmm. lost two years now. So if the prospect tournament was really good. I put out my notes on, on Twitter. So you can go back and read those. I think the big takeaways were, were that uh, Valeno's going to Valeno. He's going to skate around people. He's mm-hmm. going to look like one of the best players out there on the ice. Uh, Petrozelli made some really awesome saves after not having a good three on three tournament. Can you really see it? Uh, I want to comment on that one because I know a lot of people were like, Oh, he looked all the like him and Larson look like crap at the three on three. Did you watch the three on three though? Because I, I did. It was, but a, there are t- it was crazy. It was, but there are. Petrozelli looked way more athletic in the scrimmage than he did in the three on three. He didn't look comfortable. None of the goalies look comfortable in the three on three. No, but and it, I and mean, to be to be fair, because it was what two ten minute periods, kind of like the All Star game was set up. 
the NHL All-Star game. And yeah. those those guys just looked gassed by the time they that kind of came around. Well, of course but, they were. But I, I don't know. I'm not I don't want to be too critical because to yes, he looked fantastic in the in the actual five on five on Saturday. Oh. On Sunday, I watched um, some of the stream. I, I was busy, but I did catch a little bit of the first period. Before Mastro Simone broke his ankle, he looked like one of the better players out there. I thought he was fast, and then obviously Cider looked really good too. Yeah, well, speaking of fast, Ethan Phillips, whose dad is now Jeez. like my best friend ever, Ethan <laughs> Phillips is insanely fast. At any point, he's the fastest guy on the ice, and I think if you put him – in the all-star game with the the fastest lap, he would easily beat Dylan Larkin's record easily. No, it was incredible. He is like the little engine that that could right now. Yeah. And to me. And the, way I he envy shook, you. the way he shook cider was nuts. I missed he, that one, but yeah, he went right around him. It, like, like he wasn't even there. When you told me about that, did you notice how fun it was to watch those two go at it the rest of the day? Every time they're on the ice, they cider just so happened to be playing D when, when Phillips's line was coming out and those two were on each other like glue because when cider would get the puck, Phillips was just trying to like sco- scoot around him, steal it from him and, and vice versa. Uh, but he's, he's going to be a fun prospect. I know I, that was my guy to watch when we, on our last pod. So that's, that's a fun one to me. And Tyler, I envy you getting to go watch those guys out there at BU. Yeah, he's going to BU, right? And yeah, he, he's one, he, He's one of three. Yeah, they also have Cockinsalo. What is it? Cockinsalo. Yeah. Yeah, so the Cider, speaking of Cider, the moves this guy can make, he is, I mean, he can hold on to the puck for two minutes. If Mm -hmm. if you gave him a two-minute shift, he'd hold on to the puck the entire time. He could play keep away for hours. My big note on him was that he's out of sight until – until you notice something happening and then he's there he stops pucks out of nowhere he has great edges super smooth he, he just had moves out there and, and you can watch there's a lot of clips all over the place if you just go on twitter and search cider you'll find a bunch of clips and i mean i know it's a it's a scrimmage and it's against other prospects and it's against undrafted guys and you can tell me that as much as you want and I tell you that the moves that he did are still extremely impressive for his age. And it's the hockey IQ that he had, the level of, of calmness that he had, it it was incredible to watch. It looked like he was just I looked I watched the period, so I don't quote me on this directly, but it really looked like he was like number one that he had played with men before. And it looked to me, like he was very calm with the puck. It looked like a good first pass. It looked like his gap control was good. It looked like he was pretty much perfect out there in the period that I watched. I don't I don't remember any glaring turnovers that he had. It just looked like he was very responsive with the puck and, and without the puck as well. Yeah, and back to Ryan's point, I mean, it, it, Ethan Phillips burned him, and then Ryan, as Ryan said, he was on Phillips for the rest of the night because he – He's very quick to adapt to when yep. he recognizes that something he's done something wrong, it's fixed by his next shift. So And that's the adjusts, thing I noticed too. Yeah, he adjusts in the middle of the game. And I mean, it was just a special thing to watch knowing that we took him at six, and I think he's easily probably now if you go back and look at it, he's 
in my eyes, probably the second best defenseman of the draft. And yeah. Was he still probably a reach at six? Yeah, there were better forwards available, but Stevie got what he wanted, and we got an amazing defenseman out of it. Yeah. So and, and I was going to say to the point of how he adapted and the way he did that with Phillips is he used his body. He knew what he was getting because let's be honest, Phillips is what, 5'8, 5'9, 150? Yeah, uh, 155. Yeah, he's so, yeah, small he, and light. He, so he can sneak around on you. But I noticed that after, which I missed that part where Phillips burned him, but every time that he had the puck around him, he put his body between him and the puck, and that helped him push up the push the play up the ice to get, try to get them into the zone and move forward. And if he didn't have that, he was able to cut back. But the biggest thing I noticed, even when it, when it was not on Phillips, the way he's able to separate himself from a four check, it, it's not what I would have expected out of an 18 year old kid. Yeah. Obviously, obviously I wasn't there. And, and, you know, I, like I said, I only seen the first period. Um, if there was like one player that like going into it, you weren't sure what to expect and you like saw like how good they were or like, were very impressed. Was there one player that stood out or a few? Um, either answer I've it. got more notes. To me, it would be Bergeron. Uh, Bergeron Bergeron coming back from not having played for almost an entire year was insanely impressive. He is just offensively creative. He finds the open ice. He's got a shot on him. He sat behind me, and he had a beautiful from behind the net assist that was just great to watch. And he he's just, I mean, Bergeron is going to be I would say probably a top middle top six guy easily. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's not in Grand Rapids next season. I think he's going to go back to Sweden, but he'll yeah. be in Grand Rapids after uh, next season. To, but the rest... call, me, call me crazy, but I thought the way he looked at the five on five was kind of a mix between Z and Nyquist. Yes, I'm going with the Swedish connection here, but there was one, one uh, sequence in particular that I remember. Do you remember the the Nyquist OT goal? I think it was against Ottawa when he held the puck for like 40 yeah. seconds straight. Yep. Bergwin had a sequence just like that where he took the puck, he went all the way down below the net, came back out front uh, to, to the top of the point, skated around with the puck, created separation. His head was all over the place looking for guys to make a play. It, just the way he was able to control himself. I, I get it. It's development camp. These guys are young. He's a step above, but to see something like that, you know, it can probably translate to the next level and that he can take it to another level. And with him being healthy, I think he's one of the most outside of our top couple that we talk about all the time. He's, he's easily the guy to watch this season. Yeah. I also have that Alex Limoge looked impressive. He also had an impressive season. He tied with Taro Hirose for the NCAA scoring title. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think Limoge is someone they should probably lock up, get on the Griffins. He'd be a really good depth piece to have just in case we need him. Uh, but I'd offer him a contract pretty quick and he should probably go to the prospect tournament in Traverse city. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly I have uh, great puck protection and possession. Ryan O'Reilly, I think, will be a third, fourth line NHL guy, if not on the wings on some other team. And he's got the name to go with it, right? And he kind of looks like Dion Phaneuf. 
So that God was my it. other Don't ruin away. this, Greg. I remember you told me that the other day, and I was pissed. Don't say these things. <laughs> what, Tyler? So you're talking about the cons of my winner, Ryan O'Reilly? Yeah, no. Uh, the Red Wings prospect, Ryan O'Reilly. <laughs> uh, Otto Kivimaki, uh, small, fast, sneaky. He's a seventh-round gem. That's my notes on him. Kivimaki also had some beautiful goals in the scrimmage. Mm-hmm. He is, like I said, small and fast, but the guy can play and he outworks, outworks everyone on the ice because he knows he has to, because he's a little shorter. I think he weighs like a hundred and like 160 pounds now. Maybe he gained, Mm -hmm. he said he gained 18 kilos, uh, between when we drafted him and now. So he's gaining weight. He might get a little taller because athletes get taller later, but he he's going to be i mean he'll be an nhl player and i i'll tw- i tweet that all the time is that kimimaki will be a red wing and based on what i see him do with his size and his ability is is he'll be a red wing and it's just it's a seventh round pick that will end up making it to the team so he will be our second favorite uh finnish son next to valtteri filpula no and his wonderful our, eyebrows he'll be our first favorite finnish son because Philpola will be Philpola will be a distant memory by then. Uh, Keith Petrozelli, I have as incredibly athletic. He made some spectacular saves in the second period of the of the yeah. scrimmage, where he laid out, he scorpion kicked, he kept the puck out of the net, and it was kind of like what what you want to see Petrozelli doing after having a down year at Quinnipiac. I have if Hiroshi goes to Grand Rapids, I'm done. Uh, Hiroshi, Hiroshi needs a spot on the team because, again, a scrimmage. But he was head and shoulders above everyone else, and I'm Can sure just, he needs to work on his defensive game. But he's not a first line player. He he is smooth. Yeah, I, I, and I and I'm I'm gonna say it again. I know it was development camp, but whenever every we're just time gonna he keep saying puck, that. Yes, just... every time he touched the puck, he is the type that you could tell he just did not need to be there. He's there no. because he, they want to see him, how he's his off season's coming so far, I'm assuming. But every time he was, he brought into the zone, when he got control in the neutral zone, you weren't getting the puck from him. He was skating around guys. If guy was coming at him, he was stopping and going around him. And then he would pass the puck off and he would, he was always creating, which in however, how many games did he actually end up in Detroit with nine games, 10 games, nine or 10. I think it was 10. Which is exactly what points in 10 games. Yes. Which is exactly what we saw in those 10 games in Detroit. So it, to me, he actually looked a little bit more filled out. That's hard to say how much he's done in the last couple of months, but I think he is a guy that if he's not, I'll be surprised. He's going to be a top six guy for Detroit next year. Yeah. I I thought he looked that smooth. Yeah. I think he's gonna be a middle six. He'll probably float between the second and third line, but I'm good with I think he should definitely make the team because he showed in his small sample size at the end of last season, what he can do. And at camp, he just kept showing that he can do it. Um, I have that Albin groovy is very angry. Uh, (laughs) He fought, he fought a six foot seven Elmer Soderblom and one. Let's not call it a fight. Let's call it a scruff. He, but he, he did actually he scuffled win the, with the, him. Yeah, the scuffle. He won the scuffle. He yeah. actually managed to get Soderblom in a friggin' headlock and then <laughs> pulled him down and then managed to get him off balance and he fell to the ice. So, yeah, to me, that's uh, a win. 
Groovy was also constantly open. I think he he's good at finding pockets of open ice. Now, whether someone's going to get him the puck or not is a different story, but he does have an offensive upside, and he's scrappy. He's he's angry. He gets under people's skin. Speaking of Soderblom, Soderblom is extremely interesting to me. He's uh, be first, be, first, because he's instantly noticeable because he's so freaking tall. And he's not done growing. So the guy is six listed at six foot seven, two twenty right now. <laughs> I think when he's done, he's probably gonna be maybe six eight, two fifty. Yes, and please. yeah, so he'll be he'll be Chara. But the thing is, is if you watch Chara skate, he's slow. He's kind of awkward because he's so big. Soderblom skates like he's six foot one, one eighty. Oh, and absolutely, and he handles the puck the same way. Smooth. Uh, long. I mean, he gets the advantage because he has a long reach, but he skates and handles the puck like he's an average size guy, and it's a beautiful thing to watch. I think he's also going to be uh, on the uh, in the NHL at some point. I have that uh, Luco Savages uh, should go to prospect camp. He scored goals. He was constantly noticeable. He has a little defensive work to do. He's got some grit to him. I think this is his second camp he's been to, and I think he's signed to the Griffins. But I think he should go to prospect camp. Uh, I have that Carter Guylander. If he can get bigger and work on his glove, he could be a steal of the draft too. He could be the goalie steal of the draft. I mean, he played in the Alberta Junior Hockey League for the Crusaders. He'll probably go back there. But he, I mean, he kept up with uh, Eliason and he kept up with Larson, and he looked comfortable. He didn't look out of place, and he made some really good saves in the third period. And my last note was Odin Tufto and Taro Hirose have some kind of chemistry. I have Tufto should also go to prospect camp. Mm-hmm. He, to me, Tufto looked like the shortest guy out there, but he's stocky. He showed some moves. He scored two goals. Him and Hirose were really great together, and that's also a merit to Hirose's setup ability. But Tufto also looked really good out there on the ice. On Valeno, anything you could give the uh, listeners, like, or even me, like, what what did you think he looked like out there? Does he look even close to ready or no? I mean, Joe Valeno's Joe Valeno, and it's hard to judge it based on the scrimmage. I don't think he was fully engaged when he actually turned it on. I remember you and I talking about one sequence. He brought the puck down into the zone. The puck, He made a play, passed the puck off. It got turned over, and it came all the way back. But he skated from around the face-off circle in the offensive zone. He did zone. Larkin back-checked. No, yeah. He face-off circled, came from the face-off circle to the far side, all the way back, caught the guy at the blue line, and took the puck, Turned started a, a new transition, and he brought the puck all the way into the offensive zone to start a new rush. He didn't look fully engaged, but when he turned it on, he looked hands down like one of the best guys on the ice. Yeah, does that worry you, though? Does that no. worry you? No. Because no. Mantha, Mantha's like that. We're still trying to get the best out of him. From no. my understanding is that they basically told Valino to come to camp and play, but be ready to make the team out, uh, of, out of training. Okay. Uh, my other my other takeaway, I mean, he wicked one-timer with 30 seconds left to tie that the game. That was beautiful. And he, yeah. he top-shelved it from inside the slot right there. Oh, yeah. So there, he wasn't pushing himself. And I think it's partially because he didn't need to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I have I no problem with him kind of laying back a little bit and probably trying not to hurt himself, right. considering that there have been injuries. So 
my overall takeaways from from training camp are that we are we're on the right path. I mean, Iserman, though people can try and shit on his draft, from what I've seen, these this draft class uh, goes just as well with last draft class where you got guys like Kevin Maki and you got guys like Berggren. In this draft class, you've got maybe five super solid prospects. And if you even hit on on 30%, if 30% of your prospects make it to the league, that's that's a win. And I think we with this last draft class, we'll, we might do better than that. Yeah, I, I think that this class last year and the year before, this could really put Detroit in a new new level. Be careful. I think is the simple simple way <laughs> to put it. There's potential. Let's just put it that way. Am I gonna? That, I'm not gonna get overly excited, but like we talked about at the start, all these contracts were two years. Eisenman made it very clear he's not looking for long term because he sees what potential is there. So, yeah, I don't know. It's we keep hitting hitting it over and over. It's exciting, but we need to be There's tempered. Opportunity. There's opportunity, and but we still need to be tempered. I will say one thing. I think the excitement is is definitely there. And I will say another thing that, you know, this team is obviously not going to be a playoff team, probably not even good enough to be contending for a playoff spot. However, it does excite you with the opportunity to possibly get another generational talent in Alexi Lafreniere. So, I mean, we'll have to see. I'm not going to hold my breath. Obviously, you have to get lucky, but franchises get lucky all the time. Look at the Rangers. Look at Chicago. Fucking dicks. Chicago. Look how we've been screwed on the lottery for the past what three years now. So, I'm not gonna hold my breath. Well, I'm not saying I'm not saying that 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 should be the goal. I'm just saying that there's a possibility, and that especially if they're not going to be a good team like we all think they're going to be this season. I don't yeah. know. You could win, win ten more games this year and still end up with the first overall pick because that's how fucked up the NHL is. I I, th- I think there's chance that they're going to be improved how much more improved is to be seen but going back to max's article about what the 1920 lineup could be their top six isn't awful no in their depth overall and especially let me just go through with what he put out there so we know the top three bert lark and mantha yep potential second line is aa then nielsen or philpola and maybe hiroshi which i actually think that he will end up being there third line I'm not, would i'm not playing zadina unless it's top six minutes no so okay we'll put zadina because he has zadina on here in the third line but to his point he put him on third line and i can see why you would is that you protect him from some of the better four checks and better lines to let him ease into it but to that point and we've talked about it before even against better competition. I mean, we saw it when he scored his first goal against Colorado. Top defense on the line, he scores a goal. So Beautiful goal, he, by the way. Yes. Slap it. Was it only one goal? Yes, I get it. Nine games, one goal, whatever. He was still one of the more consistent players on the ice, in our opinion, which you guys can agree upon, correct? Yeah. So, to not beat that horse. But third line for what Max had is Helm, Philip or Nielsen, and then Zadina. And then play do what you will with 
Dela Rose, Glendinning Advocator, and N. It's not awful. I'll say that. Is it going to be a powerhouse scoring team? No, but I think there's depth there that is going to put pressure on teams because there's some speed in there. If you don't look at guys like Nielsen and Philpola and Advocator, the rest have good wheels. They can back check if they have to. If Mantha starts playing the, the game that we hope he will going into the final year of his restricted contract. Well, that he did great. at the end of last season. Yeah. And he also, which he continued into the worlds. Yeah. And again, to prop out max here, a lot of the guys that had a solid, that were a top scoring threat in the world championships that translated into the following season. And they're some of the best players in hockey right now. But can we talk about actually to end the night tonight, can we talk about Zadina and how we've basically been validated over and over again while people keep yelling at us? Where Philip Zadina made some comments uh, the other day by basically saying that, yeah, he felt more comfortable in the NHL because he was playing with NHL level playmakers and in a roundabout way said that in Grand Rapids, he wasn't getting that. He wasn't yeah. playing with, with NHL level playmakers in Grand Rapids. So he wasn't getting the puck when he wanted to get the puck. They weren't passing him in open slots. They, he wasn't getting the opportunity that he was getting in Detroit. And that showed three games or uh, three points in nine games showed. Like we said, and we've said before, Zadina is, was one of the most solid players on the ice whenever he played. He took maybe two games to get adjusted and then yep. looked open, looked good, scored a good goal, had, had two assists, played defense, it, played defense, uh, laid the body. He, he looked comfortable out there. The effort and, level was insane too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And then we were, I was even further. And I mean, and I can't say it enough because it's the kind of thing that's really irritating when you, you put a point out there and then all these people come at you to try to disprove the point without kind of giving any backup as to why they're trying to disprove it without just arguing. Can I just so, say I'm amazed at how many confrontations, I shouldn't say confrontations, but debates you get in on the Twitter <laughs> handle it's in a regards lot. to random people. But today Max put out a a article, I think it's the one we've been referencing this entire time, Yeah. that, I mean, validates me in a way, and it made me extremely <laughs> happy to read it to where I had to you retweet it. it. Trust me, I know. But it says... Uh, and I will quote Max, Zadina's development is best served playing with the highest level player possible. It's no disrespect to the players he was with in Grand Rapids, just a simple fact that a pure scorer like him will do better with as much playmaking talent as he can get around him. And with an AHL season under his belt, plus a summer in the gym, he should be ready for that next step. And that's what we've been saying the entire time is Zadina's development is better served based on what we've seen at the NHL level. Yep. Because when you're putting him with guys who are career AHLers that never made the NHL for a reason, and they're his centers, they're not helping him. Yeah. He has to try to create his own space, to create his own opportunities. And honestly, that's not the kind of guy Zadina is. No. He needs a playmaking center, and he'll finish the plays. He's a finisher. He's a goal scorer. He was rated the top goal scorer in that draft. So to put him with guys that can't help him score goals is not going to help his development, which mm-hmm. is why I think it's his spot to lose in training camp. It's Zadina's spot to lose. You, you're not going to tell me otherwise because I'm going to tell you you're wrong. And Max Boltman, who works for The Athletic, 
uh, act like the top rated news outlet right now just told you you're wrong. I would I, go, I, I, I'm not going to go ahead, Tyler. I was just going to say, I also think that Zadina, like you said, is, is better off playing in the NHL where he can get passes from guys like Dylan Larkin or Valtteri Filippola or, or what have you, where a guy like Valeno maybe isn't the strongest defensive player we've ever seen. So you can learn to be a responsive center or learn to be a, a you know, a, a good defenseman in, in the AHL. We're playing in the wing. I mean, I guess you can go play up in the NHL with, with Philpola or, or with Nielsen or, or even with Larkin. And he's going to get to the puck where some of these guys that are playing in the AHL, no, no disrespect to those guys, but they're not going to get you the puck, you know, and, and no. Being a winger, your your uh, your responsibility is to score. Yeah, when people are like, "Oh, well, he's playing with with Matt Pumple or he's playing with Troy Terry," there's a reason that Matt Pumple, when he comes into the when he fills in for an injured player, and that's when he plays, he's not going to be a full time NHLer. When he fills in for an injured player, he's on the fourth line. Troy Terry's, I think, maybe tried playing in the NHL three or four times with two different teams. He's not an NHL guy, and you're doing a disservice to your top draft pick when you're not putting him in a position to succeed. And I yep. think the best position for him to succeed next season is in Detroit. I, I, I can see why there's many that are hesitant or upset. Oh, nine games, he had, what, three points, four points, one goal, blah, blah, blah. But it, it, His first ever nine games. I, you don't I, think he'd get yeah. better as the season went on? And he Let's did, but he got better in every game that he played in, in our, in my opinion, in our opinion. Every game that he played in the NHL, he got better. And to what would – call me crazy, but how nice would it be to have a line – and, Greg, you're probably going to have an aneurysm right now – to have Anthony CU as your center and Hiroshi and Zadina as your wings? No. Nope. You wouldn't do it? Uh, No. I would still keep Philpola there because I'm completely done with the Athens CU at center. If you're going for strictly offense to push at the end of a game, would you go your? We already know our top three. If you wouldn't roll that as a t- your second line. Uh, put Hiroshi at center. Jesus Christ! I just I hate Athens CU. Oh no, Athens is not a good setup guy. Hiroshi is a better playmaker than Athens CU. That's what I'm saying. But you can still, and I think Zadina is going to have that. Zadina is going to provide more still on the wing, even though he's he's a pure goal scorer. He showed that he can create space in his short time, but also dish the puck out to guys to make something happen. Yeah, I, I just I don't know. It's 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 it. Will it happen? A... Who knows? Could it happen? Yes. Would I be excited about it? Absolutely. Would I, I rather see him? Debate. Would I rather see Zadina at the end of a game with Larkin and Mantha? Yes. Absolutely. Because then you're putting three crazy threats on the ice with two minutes to go. If you told me with two minutes to go that Zadina, Mantha, Larkin, if they're down by one goal and not no goalie pulled yet, Zadina, Larkin, Mantha, then you have Heronic and Mike Green on the ice. I'm not (laughs) mad about that. Well, you have then at that point, you have almost no defense besides Larkin. You're down. You're down one trying to score a goal. So why? who cares? I, I would probably put uh heronic and and maybe de kaiser there because de kaiser provides a little bit more defense or, or maybe this is where even chalowski yeah oh yeah yeah nemeth whatever put nemeth heronic uh zadina and mantha and larkin on the ice i mean that's even even overtime 
you put Larkin, Mantha, Zadina out there. It'll it'll uh, never happen. Or you put Haronic, Larkin, Zadina out on the oh, ice God. for three oh. on three. That'd be beautiful. So so that's the potential we have for next season if he makes exactly. The team. So there's a lot there's a lot to get excited about, but I honestly, I mean, from the bottom of my heart, believe it is Zadina's spot to lose out of training camp. I, and I, I think he's gonna I, come out with a chip on his shoulder and something to prove. Plus, he sang the Spice Girls today. So Oh, I haven't <laughs> seen that video. Was that fantastic? It was it's a great video. You need to watch it, it'll make is you it? feel extremely old. <laughs> Is that that was the for those that aren't aware of it the Red Wings uh, was it nineties moments or Red Wing about? the Red Wing babies try to identify nineties things yeah that's off their it, Twitter and everything else that's it's I hilarious. saw the comments about it so I can only assume that it's absolutely fantastic so I'll have to watch that when we're done here tonight yeah it's a uh, it's Zadina Valeno Lindstrom uh, Consalo <laughs> and Alec Regula. Uh, that try to identify different 90s objects and they're just all they have no idea oh, oh and cider cider was on there too so in other words i'm gonna feel old as shit yep very old awesome uh, but we're gonna wrap up tonight with the final thoughts and i'll start with you tyler so my final thoughts are we were just talking about the lines possibly or the top six anyways for next year i think we all three of us here would agree that the first line is going to be Bertuzzi, Larkin, and Mantha, at least to start. And then the second line is going to be a combination of uh, Franz Nielsen slash Valtteri Filippola with um, CU and probably Sedita. Hopefully. That's your that's a thought? That's the best case scenario, I would say. Oh, but that's like your final thought. Yeah, that's my final thought, yeah. Okay, what's your Twitter? <laughs> Oh, I thought you were doing it for me. You can follow me on Twitter at SealDog91. I'm so Ryan. proud of you. Every time you get that right, I'm so proud of you. Can we just talk about that? It's just, it's Good just job, makes Tyler. Me happy. <laughs> you, um, you remembered things. Uh, uh, so final thought, free agency is about what I expected. I didn't think that Detroit was going to do anything crazy, though, as if you follow me on the old Twitter sphere, um, I hope they were going to do something crazy, but they didn't. I don't know. Uh, it's I don't really have anything too crazy to say until the season start starts up. I'm praying that Zadina, because I know it's been mentioned online. There's a couple guys that are staying with Larkin this season. We didn't really get into it, but they're staying with Larkin, and we hope that that leads to an incredible development this off season. And it provides us some moxie and some excitement for the year. So it's a long year. Things are going to slow down now. And all I can hope for is that Stevie does us well. And we, I think he will. Twitter handle is RDRyan33. I'm going to say that I love going to things like the the draft party. And I love going to things like the scrimmages. Because it just yes. gets me super pumped for the future of the team. And and even more so after this past Sunday, I just I went in open minded, said this could be really bad. It's going to be enjoyable to watch, but it was really good. And mm -hmm. I saw a lot of promise in the guys that are out there. They're all hungry. They all want it. They know there's open positions. It's they training camp. And I'm going to go. I think I think I'm going to Traverse City this year. It's in but, it's in uh, Detroit. I found that out from Greg Krupa. What? It's back at LCA. No way. Yep. It's going to be in Detroit. So there might be a couple of us there this year. So then I'm definitely going. 
ever again, then that's what it looks like to me. I don't know, but when we were talking about I thought they camp, recently renewed their thing with uh, Traverse City. I, I don't they think – apparently they didn't because per Greg Krupa, uh, we are going back on back and forth on Twitter. He mentioned that it'll be at Little, Little Caesars Arena this season. I don't know if that's going to be continuing, but this year it's back at LCA. At least that's what he was assuming and saying. Ryan, uh, I guess they were redoing the rink last year, and I wonder if it's just not done. Uh, I'm not sure. I don't know. They have a thing up that says 2019 Traverse City Training Camp. Do they? That's yeah. maybe, maybe it is. I don't know. We'll have to keep an eye on that. I think that there's going to be a lot of excitement going into training camp mm-hmm. and the prospect tournament. And it's going to be very interesting to see what happens because Eiserman's not going to, he has not guaranteed anyone a spot on the team besides maybe Larkin and Mantha. So we'll oh, see yeah. what happens. The top line, I think is the only thing we can assume is good to go. Yeah. Well, there's one other thing that, that could be lingering this summer. I don't know if it'll happen, you know, before training camp or at training camp, but the C could be slapped on 71's to chest. Yeah, we'll, we'll see that. We'll have a fangirl moment here in the next couple episodes. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, but I'm I'm just excited going forward, and it's it's something to look forward to, and I will see whoever is going to be there most likely in Traffer City as soon as I get an Airbnb to go check that out. But you can follow me online at Bringing the Wing. You can follow the Grindline podcast online at Grindline Pod. You can find our our uh, podcast wherever you're currently listening to it. Uh, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, YouTube. We now have an Instagram, so go follow yeah. Grindline Pod on Instagram. Um, I'm going to make one of you guys in charge of that. I don't know Tyler. what I'm doing on there. I'm old. So <laughs> go follow Tyler. <laughs> Go follow us there. Check out our merch shop on redbubble.com by searching the grind line. You can go uh, get some cool merch, help support our podcast. It uh, pays the podcast bills. Uh, but for Ryan and Tyler, I am Greg. You stay classy, Hockey Town. <laughs>